everyone. This is Molly Dalvitt. And David Dalvitt. Welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to use multiple intelligences in sermons and worship leadership, because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul. Today we're covering Math Smart and People Smart for the lectionary selections for the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time Year C. We've got a couple verses from Malachi, but boy are they fiery. Psalm 98 has us singing a new song. Paul exhorts the Thessalonians to keep working, and in Luke, Jesus doesn't tell us when the end is near. But we all better repent anyway, because the end of year C is nigh. This podcast is based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, centered on the weekly readings of the Revised Common Lectionary, we develop illustrations and special effects using various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. Over the course of four weeks, we will cover Word Smart, Eye Smart, Math Smart, Body Smart, Music Smart, Nature Smart, People Smart, and Self Smart. You could read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking at the link at the top of our webpage, morethanhearing.org. Join us as we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Then we encourage you to try it yourself. Anytime and any way we can make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. We are almost to the end of year C. This is the last ordinary Sunday in year C, Ordinary 33. And next time we get together, it will be Christ the King Sunday or Reign of Christ, however you go with that one. Um, Today, we are going to be looking at two of the intelligences. David is going to be focusing on math or logic smart, and I am going to be focusing on people or interpersonal intelligence. Um, So a little bit about people smart. If you've been listening all this time, you probably already know um, but this is a little blurb from a, an article called Very Well, Very well Mind, written by Kendra Cherry. Uh, those who have strong interpersonal intelligence are very good at understanding and interacting with other people. These individuals are skilled at assessing the emotions, motivations, desires, and intentions of those around them. These are the pastoral people, the good listeners. Uh, they have good communi- they're good at communicating verbally. They're skilled at nonverbal communication. They can pick up all sorts of cues. They see situations from different perspectives. They create positive relationships with others, and they are good at resolving conflict in groups. Potential career choices are a psychologist, philosopher, counselor, salesperson, politician, and a pastor. So there you go. Well, math smart, as you said, is uh, also known as mathematical logical or logical mathematical intelligence. And um, also going from the article from Very Well Mind by Kendra Cherry, she suggests that these folks are good at analyzing problems and mathematical operations and the people who are strong in logical mathematical intelligence are good at reasoning, recognizing patterns, and logically analyzing 
problems. These folks tend to think conceptually about numbers, relationships, and patterns. They tend to be excellent problem solvers. They enjoy thinking about abstract ideas. They like conducting scientific experiments. They're good at solving complex computations. And I would add they're good at developing logical arguments and sequences. If you're a math smart person, you might be a scientist, mathematician, computer programmer, engineer, or accountant. A lawyer? Probably a lawyer, too. That kind of bleeds over into word smart as well. Yeah, but more logic because mm -hmm. you have to develop the arguments. True. Right? All right. So there it is. And, uh, you can also look at uh, the website for more about all the smarts, uh, www.morethanhearing.org. And uh, we also have an episode from three years ago, Ordinary 33 2016, that you can take a look at for more. Right. Right. All right, let's get going. The complimentary Old Testament lesson for Year C, Ordinary 33, is from Malachi. Chapter 4, the first two verses. Well, most of verse the, and the a verse half. and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Malachi is the very last of the minor prophets and is the very last book in the Bible. Um, just uh, as a Hebrew Bible. Hebrew Bible. Sorry. I meant to say Old Testament and Bible fell out of my mind. <laughs> Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I have some stuff about the book of Malachi okay. if you want to hear yeah, about sure. it. Yeah, um, uh, sure. I'm, I'm looking at some work that Fred Geyser did at Working Preacher about the book of Malachi. He says that it's most likely written in the 5th century BCE. The temple has been rebuilt after everybody has returned from exile, but worship has already fallen again into disorder, and the prophet Malachi was sent to warn the people against offenses that they were committing before God. According to Geyser, these were some of the things they were doing. Manipulative worship, corrupt leaders, oppression of hired workers, widows and orphans, rejection of aliens. Huh. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Hmm. Watch out, says the prophet, the day of the Lord is coming, and it will bring with it the messenger of the covenant, which sounds pretty darn good if you're on the inside, uh, but who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? Who can stand when he <laughs> Exactly. So to pray for the coming of the Lord, Malachi knows, is to pray for a time of refining and purification that will not be pleasant but it's the only way to prepare us for God's presence and God's deliverance. So with all of that in under our belts, let's take a look at this. It's see the day is coming. I'll just read the whole thing. Okay. See the day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness, righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. So, sounds pretty good for people who trust God and revere God's name. Um, however, sin always has consequences. According to Bruce Cromwell at A Plain Account, it separates us from God, from others, and even from our true selves. Uh, the, our problem is that we are still the arrogant. We are still the self-righteous when we refuse to revere God's name and surrender to God's lordship over us. So, um, 
and I had this sense that as I read that, it's like, ooh, ooh, boy, way to divide people into two camps. Mm -hmm. So you've got the arrogant and the evildoers, and who are those people? Well, it's those people. Couldn't possibly be us. Right. So a couple of illustrations. I'm throwing music smart in here to uh, air number six that you've already heard David singing a little bit, Handel's Messiah, uh, Who Shall Abide the Day of His Coming. I also have a link to Quincy Jones' uh, version of Handel's Messiah uh, from A Soulful Celebration. Um, it's really an awesome, awesome. Uh, Patty Austin is the, the singer for this, this particular version. It's neat. It's it really is. awesome. It is. And if I say awesome one more time, I'm going to be zapped probably. Yes. So another illustration. Of, Editing. <laughs> uh, another illustration. Um, Revere my name, says the Lord, uh, which got me to thinking of the musicians and the singers in a Bugs Bunny clip. Uh, it's uh, one where he show, he's been having this argument with a, a tenor. Uh, that is his neighbor, and they're going back and forth and doing things to each other. And so finally, at the very end, Bugs decides he's going to get the final word because, you know, he's Bugs. Mm -hmm. And he shows up dressed as Leopold Stokowski. And he walks into the orchestra pit, and they, all the uh, the, in, the, instru the, or, uh, the uh, instrumentalists say, Ooh, Leopold, 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 Leopold. <gasps> Leopold. So... It's kind of, it's really I funny. Hear it's, his name. Yes, it's a, it's a play on Leopold Stokowski, that famous and respected conductor whose very name inspires awe. So, uh, with this thought in mind, uh, given the idea that, that Cromwell has, has been um, advocating that, you know, we, we tend to think of the arrogant and the, the evildoers as those other people, but hmm, maybe it's really us, and Bugs Bunny's send-up of Stokowski... Break into groups and discuss these questions. First one, whose names in our lives are revered? Mm. Why? Mm. That was number two. Number three, do we reserve that kind of reverence for God? Mm. Four, why or why not? So, there you go. Um, I have a couple other things, uh, but they're sort of nature smart in their sense. But So, so you can go over to the the uh, um, website and download the, the worksheet and see what I've got. Um, essentially, the fire and refining, um, uh, oil and metals being refined through heat and distillation, um, God using these kinds of circumstances to refine us as individuals and groups. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, there's kind of some nature processes in that. So you can go take a look at the worksheet and see if something else might not ring a bell for you. Okay. So for Math Smart, we um, sometimes throw science sorts of stuff into Math Smart because of the logical constructs that you need to do experiments and all that sort of thing. So um, the uh, first verse about uh, the uh, arrogant and evildoers being burned up as stubble uh, got me to thinking about the ignition temperature of plants. Oh. So I went looking and I found a couple of write-ups, uh, they're technical write-ups of experiments on, uh, on that question. Uh, the first one that I've got is uh, from Australia and it's comparing the decomposition rate of various types of leaf litter 
versus flammability of the same species of leaves. For our purposes here, anyway, they the uh, samples that they burned as part of the experiment used an oven uh, at a standard temperature of 400 degrees Celsius, which is about 750 degrees Fahrenheit. And most of the things caught around 350, I think. Hmm. So, but that actually comes out of another study that I have, and that this second one uh, studies the ignition times and ignition temperatures of various species of plants from the California chaparral. Hmm. Uh, so those plants averaged an ignition temperature of between 300 and 350 degrees C. Or uh, 572 to 663 degrees Fahrenheit for those who are keeping score in America. Um, The abstract of the second one says times of ignition were significantly influenced by shape effects. That is the shape of the leaf. uh, Whereas ignition temperature was more dependent on chemical composition. Hmm. So the different chemicals that were... Uh, in the leaf, like how much nitrogen was in the leaf, mm-hmm. um, affected uh, the ignition temperature. So you could stretch that metaphorically um, to say that maybe the ethical composition of a person, Ooh. as opposed to the chemical, uh, the ethical composition of the evildoer or of the righteous may determine who survives the burning of the day of the Lord. Or how much is burned out of them. Right. And similarly, the physical orientation of the leaves uh, had a different effect on ignition and how the thing burned, whether it burned and caught all the way around the edge if it was horizontal Uh or if it just caught on the corners if it was up and down. And um, so... uh, and, and that also affected how the flame traveled across the leaf and such. And mm-hmm. you could stretch that metaphorically to say that our spirit, spiritual orientation, either toward God or toward ourselves, might have to do with who would survive the burning and, and that sort of thing. But that's uh, – it's really a stretch, <laughs> I think. I don't know. I kind of like that. Um then if you wanted to do a special effect, of course, you could burn some leaves and, uh, or, or maybe, maybe, a whole, <laughs> maybe uh, even burning a whole plant, you know, get a, a propane torch or something. But, <laughs> but that seems really cruel to do. Yes, it does. You know, to a, to a plant that hasn't done anything wrong. Um, so maybe just some leaves yeah. like, or, mm-hmm. or some wheat stalks or something like that, yeah. you know. Something just, that's dried. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, if you do such a thing, take all necessary <laughs> safety precautions. And if you burn stuff, you do it at your own risk. We take exactly. no responsibility. Be trogdor on your own. That's right. So, okay, let's go on. The psalm for year C, Ordinary 33, is Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. The Lord has made known his victory. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, etc., etc. Use all sorts of instruments. Um, Then let the sea roar, and the world, and those who live in it, and the floods clap their hands, and the hills 
sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord who is coming to judge the earth. Okay. <laughs> so lots of music, uh, smart stuff there for that one. Oh yeah, that totally. Definitely a music smart psalm. Um, math, less so. So uh, <laughs> let's see what. Uh, so it's a bit of a challenge here. But I was looking at verse nine, and here comes the Lord to judge the earth. And judgment is one of those things that we also throw in to math smart because of the logic. So, indeed, you know, you think about our Supreme Court justices, for example, and they're they're supposed to be, uh, well, they're passionate about issues. They're they're supposed to deal in the realm of logical arguments and evaluation, and and uh, to be able to sort through many logical uh, arguments made by the uh, the uh, lawyers coming before them. Uh, bringing their cases and such. So they're supposed to be of clear mind and carefully discerning, which makes us tend to think of them as being rather stuffy, perhaps. But Mm. uh, imagine then what a scene it would be if when the Supreme Court justices entered the chamber, the assembled crowds sang and danced and played all sorts of instruments, (laughs) declaring their praises. It would be a strange juxtaposition of the logic and passion of the scene, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, it seems to be perhaps the least logical uh, reaction to such a logical profession. Indeed. Indeed. And indeed, it could only happen, I think, if people believed that the judgments that were handed down were wise, righteous, and just. And if the judgments are always wise, righteous, and just, how could any of us keep from singing and dancing? Oh, wow. So that's what the people are doing because they know that the Lord's judgments are wise, righteous, and just. Very good. So lots of music smart involved here, lots of people smart, but that that sense of the logic um, setting the stage, mm-hmm. uh, the logic of judgment, mm-hmm. um, setting the stage. Cool. Well, speaking of people smart, I spent a lot of time over at Working Preacher, apparently working on these things, because now I've got a, a quote from James Howell, uh, who says, Praise is our amazement at God and God's greatness, our recognition of the power and tenderness of the Creator. Praise enjoys and celebrates God's love, and it is our best attempt to feel, say, or sing something appropriate to God. Praise doesn't ask, what have you done for me lately? But instead exclaims, how great thou art. Mm. He goes on to quote something from Walter Brueggemann. You can see that on the worksheet if you download it. Um, But it got me to thinking about an Old Testament, um, OTO1 or OTO2, I don't remember which. Uh, I think we were actually talking about the Psalms and Jimmy Jack Roberts was uh, um, Mm -hmm. explaining what praise is about. I mean, he might actually have been talking about one of the, uh, the the prophets. I don't know that he's doing Psalms. I think we were still on the prophets. It was OTO one. He was talking about the Psalms. He was talking about Psalms. Okay. I just remember that he said um, that the Psalms uh, and praise in the Psalms weren't, 
weren't ordinary. Ordin- sometimes they were just kind of seems to be sort of ecstatic utterances, but for the most part, they had some kind of a foundation for them, the logic yeah. of praise, for example. And he gave as an example, uh, he said, praise Jenny, for she's a good cook. Yeah. His That's wife. his wife. Right. right. And, I remember that. And uh, so he was illustrating the reason why he would sing praise about his wife because she's a good cook, and he went on to enumerate other things. Um, but that was a, a way of talking about why we why we um, give praise. Yeah, so just to, just to say hallelujah is yeah. insufficient. Exactly. It's hallelujah, why? Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So here's a special effect that you could do for people smart with this. Carve out two or three minutes of time in your worship time, and give everybody an opportunity to write a psalm of praise to God for what God has done uh, for them, for the, the, the church, your, your church, just in general. And um, recognize that some may fly over this task at 30,000 feet and give really obvious answers, and others may open up and shower their paper with specific circumstances. So two or three uh, minutes limits these folks, and it isn't overly onerous to the others that don't want to really do this. <laughs> so two or three minutes give the people who were, God's good, God's great, God's full of justice and love. And other people like, oh, well, this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Give them two or three minutes to put all that down. And then, as a benediction for the service, invite everyone to read their psalm of praise at the same time. Hmm. So encourage them by saying your neighbor won't be listening to you because they'll be reading their own psalm. And also God has already heard it as you wrote it down. So don't be afraid to say it again. Hmm. Cool. So that could be an interesting way of experiencing a benediction. Uh, praise, you know, you introduce so, it and then say, go. So you really wanted to be doing music smart this week. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's kind of turning out that way. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I've kind of given up on this whole idea of focusing on one no. specific. <laughs> we got just one more two week, more one more week. Here. I know. This week I know. and next week. You uh-huh. can do it. You can do it. <laughs> but they keep creeping in. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's when you open a door to let in the cat and bugs come in. So, <laughs> anyway, all right. So, I'm done. Okay. Let's go on. A New Testament or Epistle lesson for Year C, Ordinary 33, is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. Uh, Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians to stay clear of believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. Um goes on to speak specifically about how that might be um, manifesting itself. And there's this fun little um, verse, uh, verse 10, which is rather problematic to folks. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Nobody would ever misuse a verse like that. Oh, no, not at all. Uh, It does, though, end in verse 13 with, Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Well, um, as it turns out, David and I are both quoting the same guy uh, (laughs) from Working Preacher, Edward Pillar. 
Uh, he's taken one thing, I've taken another. Um, and he seems to, in his, his commentary over at Working Preacher, be uh, taking some pains to try to identify who those idlers might be. Um, so I have a couple of different quotes, but I want to share the second one from his article, where he says, there's an expectation that new believers, as they enter and become part of the community of disciples, will accept these traditions and will work hard to follow them. Those who do not adhere to these traditions of righteousness, justice, truth, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness are the idlers. So that got me to thinking about um, how, how would you... How how would we hear these these verses in in contexts with which we might be familiar? For example, joining a club or a church, there's a, a, a learning curve for figuring out the culture of the new place. Mm-hmm. Um, who sits where? Uh, whose coffee mug is this? Um, one of the things that is always something to learn in a church is who runs the kitchen? Right. Uh, that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, another Who thing. makes decisions? Yeah. yeah. Are the decisions made in a session meeting or in the parking lot? Right. Exactly. So, in the um, back of the church. <laughs> this one harkens back to school, or if you are in, have have people in school. Um, it, it's like what happens when you have a lab partner that sloughs all the work off onto you and then expects to get the grade for the group. Mm. So this is the idleness, the people that are you know, kind of hanging back and being sort of, you do the work and, and I'll get the glory. Well, that's, a, that's two very different things, though. What? The learning curve of not knowing well, yeah. what to do yeah. and then the one who knows what to do but doesn't do it. But doesn't do it. do it, exactly. Well, I think there's a little bit of both. I think both of these are probably being addressed, mm-hmm. um, particularly as Pillar is looking, his commentary is looking at it. Um, also, uh, you might think of a time go about when you went to stay at someone's house and gathered up used bedding and towels, putting them in the laundry room, which is, you know, we when we came to stay with you, we didn't make any extra work for you. We worked to make sure that you weren't put out. Mm. Um, and I, that brought, uh, made me remember a, a summer or two when I was a kid when our family would travel to my uncle's farm so mom and dad could help with the haying. So we actually went up there and mom and dad worked. And uh, we did our best to stay out of all the adults' hair. <laughs> Not always successful. Um, and mom always helped my aunt with, with dinner and dishes every night, too. So we came and did a little bit of work for them. So um, if you can think of things or situations like that that kind of might, you know, pull the context of, of uh, what Paul is sort of getting at to, to illuminate or illustrate that. Um, a special effect, break into groups and discuss this question. Is the table that Paul directs the, quote, idlers away from the daily table of daily bread or of the Lord's table? Hmm. And which has more impact? Hmm. Being denied daily bread because they didn't work for it or being denied the fellowship of communion? Interesting. Because they're not doing what's right. Good question. So what you got for math? What'd you do with this guy? Well, uh, after Pillar describes three possibilities of who the idlers might be, he goes on to suggest that in spite of this having been misused by both sides of the political fence, that 
Maybe it doesn't matter who the idlers are, and that the key point of the verse is, uh, of the passage is verse 13, don't give up on doing what is right. Mm -hmm. So whether you're an idler or whether you are not, keep going, keep doing the things you're supposed to do. You know, mm-hmm. the, the way that falls on your ears may be different, but the message is the same. You know, if you're, uh, if you're a worker, then it's encouragement. If, it's, if you're an idler, it's correction. But either way, keep doing the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So our, our focus on, on that verse 10 uh, is maybe a red herring. And, uh, you know, it certainly it, grabs our attention. It does. And it's sort of like those magic number games that people used to do in high school. At least that's when I remember it going around. But uh, where you you take your birthday or something and um, then you add some numbers and you subtract some numbers and you multiply by something and, you, you know, you do all these math functions to it. And then it comes out with this a magic number or it comes up with your age or it comes up with you know something i don't remember how they all work but we we've we found a couple examples um that uh, and we've got links for those and you know it's amazing how did you know that that's or how did you make it come out to be that exact number it's right you know and then somebody else does it and it comes out exactly right for them and maybe it comes out to be exactly the same number for them so like uh, the two examples we have um the process always produces the number 111 or the other one, it always it, you do this manipulation on your age, and it always comes up to the current year. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, it's amazing. It's a miracle. <laughs> How'd you do it? But then when you start going through the math, you can see that it the mathematical process erases any aberrant data. Mm-hmm. And it ends up coming around to, you know, some core number. It mm-hmm. it produces a core number that the following uh, uh, steps will always produce the same mm-hmm. result. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's just a trick of the math. Right. It's not a miracle. Right. And um, so the – it. You know, it's the same sort of thing in this passage. We've got this red herring about whether or not you're working or not. And the the answer is always work. Mm-hmm. Keep working. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I don't know. Does that mean? I think I think, I, I think so. you can make that so. work. Yeah, and and I think if you're if you um, if if you we both came to the to the conclusion that verse thirteen. Yeah. is really the key verse here, yeah. not 10, yeah. not where you're told yeah, anyone unwilling to work should not eat, and that's should not eat, not will not be given food, yeah. essentially. And it's, in some sense, it's reflexive, too. You know? yeah. If you're not willing to work, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't bother eating. Exactly. Uh, not that it's punishment, but, right, right. you know, if you're, and, you know, one of the ideas was, uh, that the idlers were those who thought that Jesus was going to return at any moment. Right. So why so bother? Why bother mm-hmm. working? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if you think that, then why bother eating? Yeah. Well, there you go. Right. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Uh, that would be one way. To, anyway. All right. Let's go on. The gospel lesson for year C, Ordinary 33, is Luke 21, verses 5 to 19. Uh, they're all in Jerusalem. They're at the temple. And they say, oh, look at the beautiful temple. And Jesus is like, it's going to be wiped out. Not one stone left on the other. Teacher, when will this happen? And how will we know? Well, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be led astray. Don't be terrified. Things are going to happen. And then other things are going to happen. And things keep happening. And you'll get arrested and persecuted. But don't worry. It's going to work out. And... Except that everybody will hate you because of my name. Yeah, there's that. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. So, when's this going to happen? Yeah, well, real soon now. Capital (laughs) R, capital S, capital N. Okay. So anyway, there's there's kind of a logical progression that you're expecting Mm -hmm. when you ask a question like that. Mm -hmm. And Jesus kind of runs up to it and then doesn't do it. He short circuits what we expect. You know, we when is the temple going to be destroyed? Uh, Well, you know, think about the things that could destroy the temple. An earthquake could destroy the temple. Mm-hmm. A massive invading army could destroy destroy the temple. Which it has done in the past. The hand of God could probably destroy the temple. It could be argued that's what that was. Aliens. We're really just a special case of an invading <laughs> army, right? So Sure, sure. Yeah, so there's not much else. Uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. So um so then Jesus says You'll hear about wars. Invading right. armies? Yeah, but it's not that. Um, you'll hear about earthquakes, and you'll hear about famines, but it's not that. Uh, you'll see portents from heaven. In the meantime, let's wait, wait. That's all it could be. When? When? How will we know? And he never answers it. He just goes on. He says, look, you're going to get into trouble. You'll be in trouble with the powers that be. But in order to be ready for that, don't prepare anything. <laughs> like, Jesus, <laughs> what do you mean? Just endure and you will win your souls. Okay. All right. So there we go. And, you know, for the... The math logic of this, there's not a lot of math, but the logic is uh, not linear Mm-mm. here at all. So it's sort of like taking a, a rewriting a basic recipe, mm-hmm. you know. So like think about making some scrambled eggs, you know. You take your eggs, you beat them with a fork, you add some milk, some salt and pepper, you beat that till it's frothy. You melt some butter in a pan when it's bubbly, you pour it in and you stir it occasionally and you get it scrambled eggs, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus' uh, recipe for scrambled eggs is when you want to make scrambled eggs, uh, don't listen if anyone tells you, let's get cooking. You know, they'll just be leading you astray. First, take your eggs and then you'll hear about people breaking eggs and beating them to make scrambled eggs or an omelet or something. But don't be afraid. You won't have scrambled eggs just yet anyway. 
Um, cooks will fight with other cooks, but that won't make scrambled eggs. And some eggs fall off the counter, and some eggs have salmonella. Some people will post pictures of how their scrambled eggs went terribly wrong and put it on the internet. You'll probably get into trouble for for following my recipe. Um, And do not prepare your eggs in advance. (laughs) But Jesus, how do we make scrambled eggs? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know... Wow, that's really disjointed and very, very... (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of metaphorical reconstruction of the passage. Uh Uh-huh. And... When will this happen? Well, let me tell you. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So, you know, for special effect, while you're talking about the scrambled, you know, make some, uh, take some, a couple of white eggs and color them up pretty with markers to make them look like Fabergé eggs or something, you know, because the temple was a beautiful thing. Uh And so make your eggs beautiful and keep threatening to break the eggs as you (laughs) go. But not yet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Uh, chefs will break it, but they're not going to break these. You know, that would be fun. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. All right. How about people? smart thing there too. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So, for people smart, far from inviting uh, believers to adopt a superior attitude about our relationship as those who are in with Jesus, I think this passage tells us that we will lose all privilege and be hated by all because of Jesus' name. We'll join the marginalized, the outcast, the reviled, the despised for Jesus' sake. And those last two verses are there to give us some encouragement. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Mm. For me, um, uh, I, I think that's where Jesus is going with this. They're like all the, the disciples are like, ooh, ooh, tell us when, tell us when, tell us when, which would be the ultimate insider information. Right. And Jesus is saying, oh, no, 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 you're not getting that you're going to wind up being hated because of me. And you're going to wind up experiencing what it is to be so far on the outside that you won't even know where the inn is mm. um, because of me. Um, it's, it's really an opportunity for him to say to them, this is where you're going. Uh, and so be ready for that. You know, Don't be prepared for the end of things. Be instead ready for, uh, be, be ready kind of in, in a way for your life to end mm. a, as you know it. So for an illustration, this is kind of along the lines of that uh, really famous scene in the movie Spartacus when the uh, Roman uh, Romans come looking for their, their, uh, their, their slaves, Spartacus, and they want to know who's Spartacus. And so Spartacus is like, ooh, well, if I stand up, I'm going to deep doo-doo here. And so he's beginning to screw up his courage to stand up. And so one of his fellows who's uh, knows the injustice that's about to be done says, well, I'm Spartacus. And somebody else, no, 
I'm Spartacus, and then pretty much everybody around Spartacus I'm stands Spartacus, up and, say, and so's my wife. Exactly, yes. Perfectly, perfectly uh, parodied <laughs> in the life of Brian there. Yes. So each, but it, each one is willing to be crucified rather than reveal who the real Spartacus is. So this is kind of, I think, what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Get ready to do things like that. Mm. Get ready to put yourself on the front lines with the people that have nobody to stand up for them. Um, so for Keep sp- working, as it were. Yeah, as, yes. Mm. So, uh, who are the people, that, for a special effect, consider these, this question. Who are the people that we would be willing to be identified with for the sake of Jesus' gospel of righteousness, justice, truth, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness? Hmm. Yes, good questions this time. I mean, not, this that, you time? Don't, not that you don't always. I don't always. ever ask them before. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> I knew as soon as that got out of my mouth. <laughs> Why, thank you. Yes, I thought that was a good Particularly question good questions tonight. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's it for today's podcast. Please ask questions or leave us a comment on our website, www.morethanhearing.org, or at facebook.com slash morethanhearing, or tweet us at morethanhearing, or email us at connect at morethanhearing.org. If you tried any of these suggestions, or maybe got an idea that you like even better than ours, please let us know what you did and how it went. We would love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship. Remember to check out the show notes, worksheets, links, and resources at our website. They go hand in glove with the podcast and give you lots more material to work with. Don't forget to subscribe using the links on the website for iTunes, Google Play, Android, or good old RSS. Or point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org slash feed slash podcast. Help others find us more easily by writing a review at the iTunes store. And of course, you can always share the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another episode next week. So in the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart. Hold your bacon out of that one. <laughs> <laughs>